Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where we take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. However, that's what we normally do. But today we are stepping back in time. Brief, a short, very short step back in time. Yes, we are going back a week to Glastonbury 2023. We don't always do it this way, do we, Will? We don't always look back on it. Sometimes we look forward on it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This year, we're doing it the other way around. Ah. Uh, yeah, because we are a week, week, week hence back from uh, having been there, uh, if that makes sense, grammatically, which it probably doesn't. Uh, so we thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to reflect on some of our highlights, some of the things that uh, were loved, some of the things that were not so loved, and some of the things that were glaringly missing from the lineup this year. That hopefully we'll see next year. Yeah, hopefully our feedback will be taken on board and it will be rectified. Have you had your post-festival survey in the post yet? Not yet. I'm expecting it. Because they mail that out to every attendee to make the festival as brilliant as possible for the following year. Uh, Your feedback makes a difference. And just thinking back to some of the things that you suggested last year, Will, uh, you put proper auditorium seating at the Pyramid which we didn't yes. get this year, unfortunately. You put aircon around every every stage, which we didn't get, unfortunately. Uh, and at Worthy View, I asked for baths as well as showers to be available. But you insisted that they were communal. But they are listening. And maybe if I put the same thing on my form. Uh, and I also suggested a, a, a smaller stage dedicated to fantastic pop music. Uh, and I also offered a, a suggestion or two as to who could host that stage. Do you want to share or, or not, not? No, no, not, no. Not, we... not, not do you want share? I mean, share would be great at Glastonbury. Well, of course we'd want share. Um, uh, but I don't know, a, a track by track related stage with, with some of our podcasting friends and partners would, you know, we could have acts on in the evening, DJ sets, general frivolities. You could get on and make some smutty innuendos as well. Not my style. No, no jokes. No jokes. Something else I want to call out about this episode, Will. I think this is the first time ever, correct me if I'm wrong, that we've recorded an episode and released it on the same day. We're breaking records here. Yeah, we are breaking ne- records. Uh, breaking necks, were you going to um... say? <laughs> breaking your back uh... with that wardrobe. <laughs> uh, we're not just doing that because if we leave it much longer, everyone's going to have moved on from Glastonbury. And in fact, you already have because you're going to... Uh, British summertime in Hyde Park later today, uh, uh, which is today being Saturday the 1st, 1st of July. Happy July. It's Saturday morning and I had to drag you away from the telly because I know you're normally glued to Saturday Kitchen at this time on a Saturday normally. And they do uh, have Des Lennis on it today as well. Les Dennis. Oh, Les Dennis. Yeah, sorry. But yeah, you're off to British summertime later, which is uh, even more of a middle class festival, but maybe not quite as... Uh, woke, allegedly, as some people like to think Glastonbury is, which I disagree with personally. But suffice to say, take that at British Summertime. So uh, based on pre- uh, recent revelations, uh, not woke at all. Not woke. No tofu eating uh, woke arati there. But there will be some track oh, by track. Fav- that was a flag. That was a flag. Did you see it? No, I missed that one. Tofu eating woke arati was a flag. Uh, there was a Nando's flag, which potentially was sponsored by Nando's. There was a brilliant one, uh, Succession one. I don't know if you saw that one. 
No, I missed all of these flags. Uh, do, which was uh, Kendall in the Wind, it says, which I thought was brilliant with Kendall from Succession's Face, if you watch that show. Wait, I thought I saw that flag, but I thought it was Kendall Jenner. Was I just a bit tipsy? Maybe there was two, but I do think uh, Kendall Roy is a little bit more uh, current. Yeah, I think so, yeah. My favourite flag was a picture of Kat Slater with the caption, I didn't become a bit of a flag, I became a total flag. Uh, and also, yeah, June Whitfield was on that flag as well, where she obviously shared that brief guest spot as the nun on EastEnders. Oh, I'd love to see June Whitfield's nun on TV. Oh, Cindy Beale's back. Uh, we watched the episode of EastEnders. We don't normally watch it, just to see how on earth they were going to uh, dig themselves out of that narrative hole that they put themselves into about having her die during childbirth. And they did it. Well done, them. Also, poor Ian Beale. First of all, his mother's not actually dead, and then his wife's ex-wife's not actually dead. Also, haven't half of Cindy Beale's kids died since she was gone for a while? I, I haven't. I'm, uh, I'm just ca- just one. Oh, just just one. It doesn't matter. Then that's fine. Uh, also, Peter Beale is now being is back again, and he's now being played by the original actor. It is like EastEnders have got their own like multiverse of madness going on, haven't they? And Dan, yeah, he is quite gorgeous, but not as gorgeous as the one that went on to be in films. Ah, Peter Beale the third. Anyway, anyway, we're not here to talk about EastEnders now. Glastonbury, good year, bad year, medium year? I think a really good year. And I find it really interesting because a lot of people on Twitter, and especially a lot of those, um, the Glasto thingy and Glastopedia and all that kind of stuff, a lot of them saying it was a stellar year. What do you think, Will? I thought it was definitely up there. I think I preferred last year. Ah. Maybe that was a little bit more because of the lineup uh, and a few more acts that I loved were in the lineup. But actually, it was a, still a really good year. Maybe where last year was like eight out of ten, this year was sort of seven and a half. That's that's how close it is for me. Very close, yeah. But I think there was a great atmosphere. The weather was good, which always helps. Didn't feel quite as crowded as the year before because I know there was a lot of criticism about that the year before. And they definitely made it made some better choices around which acts to put on which stages and tweak the site in a few ways as well. There's one tweak that I didn't agree with, and that was that Williams Green disappeared in place of Carhenge. Now, Carhenge is exactly, if you haven't seen anything on socials or whatever, and, and you weren't there, Carhenge is exactly what you think it is. But Williams Green, which was there, was one of the smaller stages and it would often have some up-and-coming acts on there. It would have some surprise sets from well-known acts. I think Everything Everything did it a few years ago. Uh, but in the evenings, it would have club nights like Club de Fromage, Guilty Pleasures, Ultimate Power. Um, last year, there was a DJ set by Melanie C. And there was nothing to replace it this year. So um, Guilty Pleasures did an hour in the rabbit hole instead. But that was it. And I really missed that, that tent and those kind of acts. Well, just to put my high vis and hard helmet on for health and safety, uh, it did used to get dangerously overcrowded in there. And I think that definitely a contributing factor, I'm sure, was the fact that that space was not fit for purpose. True. And I think when we were there for the Melanie C DJ set last year, we were obviously loads of people sat down. We were stood in their cracks and whatnot. Um, it, yeah, it wasn't a particularly pleasurable standing experience or viewing experience. I was so far away from Melanie C. 
I was in Taunton. Mm. Little local joke there. And you can put your helmet away now as well. Thank you, Will. Done. Julie done. Uh, but yeah, it, it felt like a good... Who's Julie? <laughs> Uh, uh, I will take some of these jokes out, Dan, because they're not very funny. Uh, the can we do that for all a, episodes? It was, it, was, <laughs> it was a good year, and so many wonderful moments, musical and otherwise. And I'm pleased to say, Dan, we got to spend a lot of those moments together. We did. I think we often do, don't we? Because obviously our music tastes align. And as we'll come to talk about, as we talk about some of our, and we do actually get on sometimes. Uh, there, there, was a, there was a few differences, but for the most part, we were watching and enjoying together. Mm. And we'll come on to talk about some of those moments because, of, uh, unsurprisingly, we have got uh, 10 key musical highlights for us from Glastonbury this year. And actually, most of them we were closely together for, uh, probably because of the crowds, uh, mm. but nowhere near as crowded as it felt last year. Um, uh, what's the consensus? Because um, we go, we go and see a lot of people, friends and acquaintances, and you know, you bump into people, don't you? Glastonbury, that's part of the Glastonbury magic. What was the consensus from the people that you've spoken to? Oh, all very positive. And two friends who came and camped with us this year. It was their first Glastonbury. It's always a little bit nerve wracking, isn't it, when it's someone's first? Because this was my tenth this year, so clearly I love it, and clearly I keep going back, but. There's that fear that you, you're going to bring someone to something somewhere that you love and they're going to hate it. It's going to put a dampener on things. They're going to be having a bad time. You're going to feel guilty. But actually, they loved it, Will, and they're already, hopefully, tickets depending, coming back next year. Um, but that was the consensus with everyone else. Everyone had a great time. The only thing probably that um, some people struggled with was the heat. It did get quite hot. And obviously, when you're sat in the uh, pyramid field or in the other stage field there's no shade it's just direct i actually burnt my scalp for the first time in my life this year because i forgot to wear a hat yeah that saturday was uh particularly hot and uh i there was a moment where i had to go and sit down because i came over a little quick and what was the view from your peeps uh, yeah, definitely really positive. Uh, there are a couple of people that I've heard will have kind of said, oh, maybe that's it and I'll probably sit it out for next year. We'll see, is what I'll say to that. When ticket uh, booking time comes around in October. But I think we love the campsite that we have when we go to Worthy View. Uh, it's a great setup there. And I know a lot of people like to get down and dirty. But for me, uh, getting up and clean is uh, preferable. Hmm. I hope you don't mind me... Airing your dirty laundry on the podcast, Will. Uh, but um, I do remember, correct me if I'm wrong, of course, a few years ago, there was a fallow year. So it's pre-2020 when there's the previous scheduled fallow year. I seem to remember you saying that you thought you'd get to that point and then you'd stop going. But then you just couldn't stop. Was that is that right? I just can't stop now. And I think it's the lure for me. It's There's something about Glastonbury. There's a je ne sais quoi about Glastonbury, unlike any other festival where it's addictive and it's immersive and it's so special and then layer on to the fact that opportunity to see some huge bands and uh, to see some more niche groups uh that you know you've always wanted to see as well and i think it's hard to pull yourself away off the back of that and i think from year to year how i approach the festival and how i do it varies differently 
because there's you know that everyone does their own Glastonbury you do you and all that some people stay out to all hours in the southeast corner other people enjoy the music and then kind of quietly wind down um I think you're all over the shop aren't you me personally Mm. yep some some nights it's watch the headline and then pop back for a cup of chai from the lovely local tea place um in worthy view some nights it's yeah stay out for a few hours stay out to the early hours why not Mm. i was only young once dan we've selected uh some highlights 10 musical highlights that we'd like to share today not share maybe the legend slot uh and yeah, at the end, we're going to touch on what we'd like to see next year or maybe rumours and things that might be happening next year. Uh, but shall we start by sharing what were our highlights? Let's do it, Will. And Will, let's hear from you first, please. Well, I, yeah, thank you, Dan. And I mentioned, you know, sometimes it's not about the big acts. It's about those acts that you love. that are a little bit more niche. And I went solo to see Sparks on the park stage and it was quite spur of the moment because, Dan, you'd actually talked me out of going to see them. No, based... no. No, <laughs> no, let me finish. Sorry, because sorry. Because you'd heard about what their set was potentially like when they'd been doing some live shows recently. And you had encouraged me to think about what else I might want to see. And actually, in the moment, I was just like, no, I'm not going to see the Arctic Monkeys. I might never get the chance to see Sparks live again. And Sparks are a legendary duo, two brothers, uh, American duo. They have been around through the 80s, through the late 70s, 80s, 90s and noughties. They have a huge body of work and have consistently released uh, interesting, experimental, fun, wonderful pop music that's crossed many genres. And I just thought I need to see them live. And I went. And it was the best, one of the best hours of the weekend for me because it was joyous and they played some classic stuff. They played some newer stuff, but it was just one of those groups where I just, to see them on stage, two guys in their 70s just absolutely nail it and win over a very mixed crowd. I just thought it was fantastic. One of the standouts, and we'll play a clip, is uh, the lead, lead single off the new album, which has just been released, which is fantastic, and I'd encourage you to listen to it. It's the live version of This Girl Is Crying In Her Latte, or The Girl Is like Crying In Her Latte. The girl is crying in her latte, yeah. The girl is crying in her latte, sad. The girl is crying in her latte, wow. The girl is crying in her latte bag. So many people are crying in the latte. So many people are crying in the latte. So and the wonderful thing about this is the video is very memorable because Kate Blanchett is in it wearing a very memorable yellow outfit, headphones, dancing. She actually joined them on stage. And this is one of those moments that could only happen at Glastonbury. Kate Blanchett was there. She joined them on stage, danced along to this song. Uh, and, you know, the song itself is a very memorable electro pop song. And her being there uh, was fantastic. And then she just stood at the edge of the stage and I could see her from where I was positioned. She was bopping along to the whole set as oh. well. So it's clearly a big Sparks fan. But... Uh, if you love the music we talk about on Track by Track, 
and you haven't listened to Sparks, do so, please. And you can find our episode on gratuitous sax and senseless violins uh, on Patreon, I believe, Will, that one at the moment, is it? Yeah, it will find its way uh, onto all podcasting platforms at some point in the next few years. years. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, the music is fantastic quality music and I'm so glad I saw them. I didn't regret, despite your better efforts, I'm glad I went to see them. I just didn't want you enjoying them without me. That's what it was, really. That's what it boiled down to. Ah, okay. Yeah, quite vindictive, mm, actually. Yeah. Uh, true to form. <laughs> but they. this was one of the clashes. There's always clashes, of course. This is one of the ones for me where I, I knew it was, it was a clash, but I knew I had to see Arctic Monkeys. I'm a big fan. I haven't seen them live for a decade. Love the last two albums. So the decision was made, but I was gutted to miss Sparks. And in fact, Sparks started before and i think maybe they finished just before Arctic monkey started but i didn't want that whole rush to get there needing a weed having no drink struggling to find my friends in the crowd whatever so i was really gutted to miss them the kate blanchett thing sounded magic but for me and what i said to you about the set list is that for me my favorite albums are gratuitous sax but also uh from the number one song in heaven album i love uh, beat the clock and tryouts for the human race, and neither of those were in the set list either. Uh, so I'm sure it was a wonderful set, but I was, at some point in the future, I would like to see those two songs re-added to the set list. If you're listening, Russ, Russ and Ron, I think it is, isn't it? The, the lovely brothers. Mm. The lovely brothers. That sounds like a name for a band, doesn't it? <laughs> Dan, what's your first first highlight? First highlight, and I know it's one of yours as well, Will. We spoke to him just a few weeks ago. Jake Shears returned to Glastonbury for the first time in a decade or so. He was on the pyramid stage with Scissor Sisters and special guest Kylie way back then. This time he was in Avalon and he sounded fantastic. an incredible track from the new album there i used to be in love the whole album if you haven't listened to our episode with jake yet the whole album is fantastic and this there's another clash here well it was jake shears on at the same time as lizzo and i was really torn with this one and in fact when it was first announced i was 100 percent seeing lizzo because i missed her at glastonbury a few years ago when she was on the west holt stage everyone spoke about how amazing it was i love we've done the because i love you album uh, I love the new stuff as well. So it was almost decided. And, and I've never seen her before. But when when Jake's album was released and when we did the episode with him, I remember texting you saying, I've changed my mind. It has to be Jake. And you, I think, were already erring towards Jake, weren't you? Um, and absolutely no regrets. It was a highlight of the weekend. I didn't stop jumping up and down like a child, despite my bad back. Um, what a set. Yeah, and we are, well, we, I love a comeback moment at Glastonbury. And this really felt like Jake Shears announcing himself to say, I am here, I'm queer, and I've got a fantastic new album out. And 
he really created a party in the Avalon tent, didn't he? And it was fantastic to see how quickly that tent filled up and overspilled as soon as the music started. Because what I loved about his set was he did loads of great songs off the new album, including the one we just played a clip of, which was a wonderful disco party moment. But he also did some of the Sister Sisters stuff. And that's what that's what that the new stuff and the old Sister Sisters stuff made it such a feel-good moment at Glastonbury. And also Jake clearly having the time of his life being back at Glastonbury again. And I know he then ventured into the MIC Downlow uh, and did something later on as well. And I'm not talking about what your other half saw three men doing. One with a missing finger, apparently. <laughs> and not an amputee. Just uh, not quite clear. But yes, the Scissor Sisters stuff sounds great. Again, if you haven't heard the new album, it's very much about that disco party dance atmosphere that they created. And what I loved as well, Will, well, I didn't love it at first because the tent seemed very quiet, didn't it? Just before he came on stage, it was very quiet. And Lizzo, of course, unofficially billed as a double head, a co-headliner. Um, there was going to be a big crowd for that. So I was a little bit concerned, but it very quickly filled up. And as you said, was spilling out over the edges later on. One of my highlights, Will, was a couple of songs into the set, seeing uh, the younger girl in front of me, probably early 20s, Googling Jake Shears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you nudged me and pointed at her phone. And do you know what? I felt so old in that moment. Well, And, and I slapped it out of her hand as well. That's, that's so disrespectful. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to talk about the other girl next to her who kept, who's doing endless uh, bumps of cocaine off of her key, front door key. Good for her, actually. And it was one of those Free choice. almost like keys to the city, old fashioned sort of uh, to a castle or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> it was about two foot long. Good for her, actually. Okay, Dan, we need to talk about Elton. Oh, God, what's he done now? I can't wait. (laughs) No, uh, he delivered a barnstormer of a Sunday night headliner closing the pyramid stage and uh, and the festival. Two hours of Elton magic to 150,000 people. Biggest crowd ever in the pyramid arena. Not arena seating, though. uh, (laughs) There. And, oh, my God, wasn't it incredible? It was. I, I think, for a week or so to think about this, I think I can say it was the best thing I've ever seen at Glastonbury. In 10 Glastonbury's, it was the best thing I've ever seen. And I, you just wouldn't have had that experience seeing Elton on his uh, alleged farewell arena tour because uh, he did a completely different set, but also just the atmosphere, the fancy dress, the singing along... It just felt great, despite being right in the middle of a crowd of 150,000 people. Uh, It was just those two hours flew by. There was cheers, there was tears, there were beers, there were no fears, uh, and plenty of queers. (laughs) Did you write that down? No? Oh, well done. Uh, So here's a little clip from that performance.
So, yeah, are you ready for Love Fair? I mean, so many highlights we could have picked out because the set was wall-to-wall. Nostalgia, some of his biggest hits, some surprise collaboration. So despite the uh, rumours that Britney Spears was spotted at Bristol Airport, uh, we didn't see her, but we saw uh, some other great talent joining him on stage. Yes, so on Are You Ready For Love, you had Jacob Lusk from Gabriel's and you also had the London Community Gospel Choir, which, and he said himself, didn't he, he's not played that song for many years. So that was one of the, not only incredible to have the guest singer and the choir, but also to hear a huge number one song that hasn't been on the tour set list was just a phenomenal moment. I've got a few videos I took on my phone. I didn't have it up all night, but just got a few moments. And (laughs) Are You Ready For Love is one that I do keep going back and watching because everybody was singing along. And that's that's part of the reason why, for me, it was an all-time Glastonbury highlight because, I, not to sound like an old man, but more and more I've noticed people chatting throughout gigs, chatting throughout festivals. It was happening with Blondie. It was really annoying me because they were phenomenal. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Actually, having a look at the list, maybe we won't. But Blondie were phenomenal. But for for Elton John... With the biggest crowd that's ever been at the Pyramid, he had everybody's attention and he had everybody singing back to him. It was just euphoric. Uh, And so good. Uh, By the time he started singing, all those people that had their picnic blankets and chairs out finally stood up. Uh, Because I can't tell you the number of times I nearly kicked somebody in the head. Well, and yeah, not to put a negative on this, because it's such a celebration of how many people wanted to see him. For context... For anyone who hasn't seen, apparently there was three quarters of all attendees were at the Pyramid to see him. They had to, ahead of the festival starting, I should say, a field near the top of the Pyramid, which usually has tents in it, was clip, was, wasn't used this year because they were expecting that many people. But I don't know about you, Well, I've never known before for them to go on the microphone ahead of the show starting, ahead of the headliner starting, and to say... If you have got chairs and blankets, please pick them up. Please stand up. People need to get in. I've never known that to happen. Oh, but it really did, didn't it? Because it was such like if you'd nipped out for the lavvy and to try and get back in, you were literally uh, jumping, literally jumping over people. And how I didn't kick an old lady in the face, I don't know. What? Accidentally or? Accidentally. Yeah. Sorry. Not because I was so angry about well, it all. But, uh... <laughs> but I think what? Another thing that made it so phenomenal is, as you said, the set list was different. His farewell Yellow Brick Road uh, tour has seen some rave reviews and it's got a wonderful set list. But in within that set list, there are, there are some tracks that weren't huge hits. So he's been playing Have Mercy on the Criminal, Take Me to the Pilot, Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding, Burn Down the Mission. It didn't play any of those. It was all just about the songs that everyone knows. And I think a lot of headliners could really, you know, take take lesson from that, take a lesson from that because, mm. you know, there's a lots of comparison with Paul McCartney last year and I'm a huge Paul McCartney fan and I thoroughly enjoyed the set, but Paul McCartney was playing for Paul McCartney fans. He was playing, you know, new songs right up to present day. He was playing a few deep cuts and doing it for three hours as well. Elton was just doing two hours of songs that pretty much everyone knows. So next up, and actually on stage just before Elton, not his first time at Glastonbury, not the first time we've seen him. We saw him guest on stage with Miley Cyrus a few years ago, but Lil Nas X was back 
in his own right on the pitch. Now, this is one of those amazing moments, Will, I think, where it was an incredible spot to put Lil Nas X in because he was between two legends, Blondie and Elton. A lot of the audience on Sunday were waiting around for Elton, weren't they? So they were staying at the Pyramid all day. So he will have got a lot of listeners who don't really know who he is. He'll have got a lot of fans there as well. There were lots of people singing along to his set. But I think an incredible placement. But also, it works anyway because his songs are so poppy, so catchy, so clever. They're not really far too far removed from the classic pop songwriting that we did get from Blondie and Elton. And what I loved about his set was he didn't water it down. He didn't uh, hold back. He was, you know, an out and proud artist on the stage as much as he ever is and as you've ever seen him as well. And what I love about the fact is all these people that have never seen uh, Lil Nas as, you know, as he is will have seen that and really got a, got a flavour for that. But also, you know, that music is all spectrums of the rainbow and... In between Blondie and Elton John, I think that's a brilliant showcase for queer talent at its finest because he was, it was perfection. His craft and performance and the moves and the dancers, it was, you know, it was a real show, actually. Uh, And what I love about, you know, these big artists is they turn the pyramid stage into their own arena. Mm. And, you know, musically, from a performance, from a staging point of view, and he really did that. And what I also so lo- so loved was I looking around us, the number who were singing along to his music, yeah, that shows just how universally loved his music is as well, and all the new fans he would have picked up from that as well. He definitely would have done. Yeah, Glastonbury definitely opening their eyes more in the last decade or so to having these big pop artists on who bring some of their staging with them, who bring their dances, you know. 15 years ago or so, I don't think that would have been a thing, but we've seen Katy Perry there. We've seen um, Shakira a few years ago. Um, I wouldn't be, I, we thought we might see Britney. Didn't happen. But this was that moment where actually pop's not a dirty word. And, you know, Lil Nas is a rapper, but he's a pop rapper, isn't he? The production on these songs is pop. Um, it was a great moment. It was a, it was a highlight of the weekend. It really was. And it's exciting to think who we might see next year and the year after off the back of how well received some of these huge pop artists uh, and maybe slightly off the beaten track for Glastonbury artists. Uh, And we'll maybe touch on that at the end, what we might see next year. But yeah, great, great call. Great booking. Uh, I'll tell you another group, Dan, who had the pyramid stage in the palm of their hands. And it was so great to see them live. And Charlene Spiteri is so wonderfully uh, herself and so wonderfully open uh, with her, with her opinions and her and her voice. Texas uh, performed and did a fantastic uh, greatest hit set. Oh, 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 oh
And Black Eyed Boy was just one of the songs that had everybody, arms in the air, singing along. Charlene loved that. And I also think it just shone through how much she loved being back, not just at Glastonbury, but on the Pyramid stage. Because you forget quite how lengthy Texas's musical career has actually been now. Yeah, we spoke about them quite recently, didn't we? On a Patreon episode, I should say, we spoke about their Red Book album and how we should do that because it's got work with the likes of Xenomania on there. But actually, so much before that is pop, ill indie pop gold. Uh, I've always loved Texas, but I didn't go and see them this year. I saw Carly Rae Jepsen instead, just because it, that was, for me, one of those pop moments where I thought, I, I'm I'm never going to go and see Carly. I, we've spoken about her on the podcast before, quite like what she does. And it was a really fun set. But some of the clips I've seen from Texas, it looks phenomenal. And I don't want to uh, live with regrets, Will, but there is a little part of me that thinks, oh, even though I've seen Texas before, should I have gone to see Texas? Well, yes, you should have done. Because I hate to make you feel even more regretful, but I think it was a wonderful moment. And actually, it was so good, I assumed you were there because you're normally there with me for all the big Glastonbury moments. And I do think you missed out. Uh, I suppose I'm a little bit biased because uh, Carly Rae Jepsen was in Bristol last year. So I didn't necessarily feel uh, drawn to her. But I have never seen Texas live. Maybe I have. <laughs> but if I have, I haven't seen them live in a long time. So it was worth it. And it was amazing that because, you know, they could have... I wouldn't have been surprised if they were in Avalon or something like that. So it was amazing that they were on... The pyramid, and I did see again. It's from the Glasto thingy or Glastopedia on Twitter. One of them saying that Texas doing In a Smile was one of their highlights of this year's festival, and they didn't ever expect Texas to be on their highlights list. But it was just a phenomenal set, and that track in particular uh, had the whole audience doing the yeah, 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 yeah etc. Dan, take us away from the pyramid stage. Briefly. Well, take my hand, Will, and come with me through the wilderness of woodsies because we're going to the stage formerly known as the John Peel stage. And it's a stage that often champions new music, bands on the rise. You see some classics in there as well, some uh, worthy headliners. But we were there for one of our favourite bands. They released our number one single of last year and our number one album of last year. It is, of course, working with God. So Working Men's Club performed for us, I think, a phenomenal set that didn't stop. From the first synth sound, every track merged into the next. Tracks from the new album, tracks from the old album, that industrial sound coming through. Uh, quite futuristic as well, Will, I'm sure you'll agree. But I adored the performance because you had Sid doing his thing. He's kind of got a bit of a... Ian Curtis meets uh, maybe Sleaford Mods thing going on there, uh, really getting into the music and the lyrics. 
but then the band around him just like craft work almost like an indie craft work very straight faced playing their instruments doing their thing it's 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 a, like a piece of performance art almost but with this mm. most incredible electronic music with it i thoroughly enjoyed it will did you enjoy it did everyone enjoy it uh, I enjoyed it. Not everyone enjoyed it. So I think if you get Working Men's Club and you're into them, this was a fantastic set because it felt it was quite deep. Uh, certainly there were some of their more poppier tracks that didn't form part of that set. And I have to say, the people that we were watching the Working Men's Club with, I think it was a little bit lost on them. Yes. My other half said he really enjoyed the music, but it was more the lyrics and the performance side of it yeah, it didn't really do it for him, but he enjoyed the music. So there's a there's a there's a positive takeaway there. But some some of our group did leave, didn't they? Yeah, they did leave. Uh, but I think it is the the perfect act to have in the Woodsy's tent because that is their up and coming. They deliver something a bit alternative to what you would get on Pyramid. Uh, and actually, for us, you know, we were in our element because we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves in for. Uh, that continuous mix, Sid taking off his clothes and throwing himself around and not seeming quite on the same planet as everybody else. It was <laughs> all brilliant. And also my other half, because we're not a couple, Dan, um, uh, not reminding you, but our <laughs> listeners, uh, my other I'll half. I'll stop sending the photos. Saying, Why aren't they smiling? He kept saying. <laughs> yeah. But I also, I, it, I didn't think I'd ever make this comparison, but it just reminded me of when Sugar Bays first came out. And they were often asked in interviews, why don't you smile? Why, why are you so miserable? And they were saying, well, we're not miserable, but it doesn't feel very natural just to smile all the time. And I get that impression with Working Men's Club. The music they're playing isn't sort of aqua barbie girl, happy-go-lucky. It's very uh, deep. And it's got a very, I think within the lyrics, Sid puts some very uh, serious messages in there. So that it'd be weird if they were there just smiling, I think. But to your point, well, they didn't play Widow, which was our track of the year and the lead single from Fear Fear, their second album. And they didn't play Cut, which is another one of our favourites, which is a little bit lighter and a little bit more sort of early New Order, I think, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the track that you will have just heard as well, because I wanted to highlight the fact that uh, that is something very different that might get you into Working Men's Club if you haven't listened to them before. But I tell you the perfect way to get into Working Men's Club, Dan. Mm. Listen to Track by Track. And the episodes. Yes, we have done... We haven't done the first album yet, have we? But we have done Fear no. Fear, our album of last year. It is currently on Patreon. So another reason there to support us and become a patron. And there's so many other reasons. Now, uh, next artist is uh, was actually in Woodsies and on the Pyramid stage in two very different forms. But Rick Astley was great fun on the Pyramid stage. And surprisingly good with Blossoms in Woodsies, where he did a set of Smith's covers with them. Here is a little bit. I was really impressed with just how good he sounded with Blossom singing Smith songs. 
it's one of those again Glastonbury experiences that you wouldn't necessarily hear elsewhere. And I love the fact that Rick did this big pyramid stage set full of hits. He kept telling the audience, never going to give you up. He's coming. He's going to do it at the end. Uh, and actually, his his new single, Dance, was really impressive, actually. he Great humour, great head of hair, uh, great uh, crowd craft in the way he uh, charmed the audience. But I think what really turned people's heads was that woodsy set with Blossoms. Definitely. And if you would have told me even five years ago that one day I'd go to Glastonbury and see Rick Astley twice in the same day and those sets would be two of my highlights, I would have probably laughed in your face and slapped you around the face with a wet fish. But it was true. It was incredible. The the opening, because uh, his pyramid set opened the Saturday. Was it the Saturday, Will? Yes, it was a Saturday. It was just so much fun. And hate to correct you, Will, but just to stop anyone writing in, Dance uh, was from a few years ago, actually, but new to us. Uh, and he did play some new stuff from the upcoming new album as well. Um, but it's a, a lovely little electronic number. Um, but the, the Smith set in particular, I would see that again. In, I'd see that again tomorrow. It was so good. And there's so many people now on the social saying, can Rick Astley and Blossoms just re-record the Smith's back catalogue so we don't feel guilty about listening to it because of Morrissey becoming... Um, well, I'll leave that Problem- Problematic. There. Problematic is a really good yeah. way to say it. But call me a Rick Astley stan. What's, it, what's the name for his fans? Have they got names? Uh, I, I don't know, actually. Uh, find out. Look, look it up on Twitter. Next, then, another one from early in the day and one that set the stall out for the day. Just had to get that phrase in the episode. Here's the hives and a bit of hate to say I told you. So this was the second act taped to the stage on the Friday following Ben Howard opening proceedings. And this is one of the bands I was looking forward to more than anything because I saw them again really early in the day on the other stage about 10 years ago or more. And even though I was a fan of their music, I was blown away by the performance and they did not disappoint this time. I was with my other half who wouldn't call himself a Hives fan uh, and with a friend who didn't really know their music, and they both left, saying it was one of their highlights of the weekend, because... And they both left. And they both left, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> because the front man, and this is really bad, I, I don't know his name, um, Mr. Hive, Mr. Hive frontman, just one of the best frontmen around, such an incredible energy. He connects with the audience so well, he commands the audience so well. But not only that, the Hive's... It's rock music, but it's very catchy, poppy rock music. And my other half did say that it was great because um, every song was the same song. They do all sound quite similar, um, but this was uh, such a fun set. I didn't see The Hives, actually, uh, even though you you were urging me to do so. but And I can't remember what I was doing instead. Probably having something to eat, having a halloumi cone. Oh, how was it? heavenly heavenly mm. halloumi 
and I really wish I would have pushed harder with you actually because you and actually your other half would have loved just the energy that he gives off. So next time, another another 10 years or so when they return to the other stage to open proceedings, I'll drag you there. Kicking and screaming. Uh, now, Sophie Ellis-Bexter opened proceedings on the Pyramid stage on Sunday morning. Uh, much reported because the BBC couldn't be asked to film it. Uh, uh, probably because all their... All their, uh, all their uh, partying staff were out uh, to all hours the night before and wanted to lie in on Sunday morning. I don't know. But we certainly did get to see it. And she created a pyramid stage disco. Crying at the Discotheque was one of the many songs that she did. Obviously, that is a cover, not one of her own. Uh, but uh, she did do a great set of uh, her own tracks uh, and a couple of covers as well. And it was wonderful. It's impossible not to love Sophie, isn't it? Definitely is. I think with the Kitchen Discos, she got a new level of respect because of what she was doing. They, of course, were free. She did them for 10 weeks, 10 Fridays in a row, just out of the goodness of her heart, just trying to keep people entertained through COVID. You know, as, as we did as well, Will, with our with our own thing, with our, what were they called? Lockdown specials or something like that? Self-isolation specials. Yes, self-isolation. Yeah, and our tweet-alongs. And the yeah. tweet-alongs. We probably, we arguably did too much, actually, during that time. But Sophie was there as well. And she's one of those acts, it's, Kind of like it's the same as with Rick Astley. When I saw that she was playing on the pyramid, I just felt incredibly happy for her, as if she was my sister or something like that. I was just so chuffed that she got to do that because, you know, she had a her career was huge at the start. You could argue it dipped a little bit in terms of charts and, and that kind of thing. But to see her on the pyramid stage with her hubby on guitar, with her brother on drums, with the rest of the band playing those huge hits and some covers. Uh, this, of course, was released as a single, but also she did a great version of Madonna's mm. Like a Prayer. Like a Prayer, Like yes. a Prayer. Yeah, I was going to say Like a Virgin, but that no, she didn't do that. Um, it, it was a great set. And when, when it first started, because the second song was Hypnotised, quite a new song, I thought, oh, she's, I'm not sure she's going to keep the audience if she's going to do a lot of new stuff. But she actually didn't do any of the brand new stuff from a new album. And I saw an interview with her afterwards and she said she... She'd thought about it, but actually she wanted to give the crowd what they wanted, which was all the hits. She did a bit of a medley of Ibiza bangers, including Groove Jet. It was phenomenal. It was great. It was just what you need on the last day as the first thing you see. Yeah, just to get you uh, up and moving. And yeah, her kitchen discos that she did at the goodness of her own heart, uh, but has since now gone on to make an absolute fortune off the back of. Good for her, actually. Good for her. Good for her. Must get that cookbook. And so the last of our highlights. Now, this is a set that I was really looking forward to. There's only since I started going to Glastonbury in 2009, there's only one year when I couldn't get a ticket for Love No Money. And that was 2014. And one of the acts there was Lorna Del Rey, who 
I was a big fan of from that first album and I've remained a huge fan of. So Lana Set at Glastonbury 2023 was one of the ones that I was really, really looking forward to. And anyone who's read anything about Glastonbury this year or Lana Set will know that didn't quite go to plan. But anyway, let's hear a little bit of one of the tracks. So that's A and W, which opened the set. And what I loved about that was that, you know, a lot of people think about Lana as being that kind of crooner, that, the very slow piano-led moments. This was showing that this set was going to entertain, maybe get a new fans on board, get a few new fans on board, sorry. But of course, because she came on stage half an hour late, because in her own words, her hair takes forever to do, she was her sound was cut because she hit the midnight curfew and the last six or so tracks we didn't hear. So Lana was one of my highlights until that moment. And then actually, it potentially became my biggest disappointment of the festival. Yeah, they have very strict curfews on the big stages uh, as part of their license, uh, which is midnight on Friday and Saturday and 11 o'clock on Sunday. Uh, and uh, as as Bruce Springsteen will also tell you, you know, they can't uh, violate those and otherwise they put into jeopardy. The future of the festival, just to give you my uh, mm. bit of legal legal spiel there, uh, but uh, I I wasn't there. Uh, I was I don't know where I was. Uh, away with the fairies somewhere, but uh, away with uh, the fairies. Apparently, yeah. But you tell me, it was a great set up until that point. It really was. It was such a shame. And now I think, as with a lot of people. I'm now going to have to go and see her at British Summertime next week to see how that set should end. Because, of course, a lot of the big tracks, video games and Summertime Sadness are at the end. So I actually might turn up to British Summertime at, you know, half an hour before she's due to finish and just catch what I missed. Uh, although their curfews are even stricter. So if she even considers coming on late there, she will um, certainly be, be uh, read her rights. W- worth noting as well, Will, actually, I meant to say that, of course... Her relationship with Glastonbury this year didn't get off to the best start anyway because she, as as is always the case on the poster, they have the three pyramid stage headliners at the top. And they sometimes they have the tea time, Sunday tea time headliner up there. This year they had Lizzo because she was the co-headliner on Saturday with Guns N' Roses. Uh, yeah, so told. you know, they were... Uh, yeah, I just think that's lip service. They weren't fooling anyone trying to cover up or cover over the fact that they hadn't have didn't have a female headliner. And for me, that was just an afterthought where they tried to placate people that might have been saying, uh, I know it won't be a problem next year because some exciting things mm. are afoot. Well, I, I have to agree with you there, Will, because I always think co-headliner is just such a ridiculous concept anyway, because one of them is going to be the actual headliner. But Lana kicked up a fuss because, as is always the case, then the rest of the lineup is in alphabetical order. And she was not happy that she wasn't uh, at the top of the list because she was headlining what she called the second biggest stage. It is, of course, the second biggest stage of the stage. So the relationship didn't get off to a great start anyway. And then this happened. So I don't think we'll see Lana back at Glastonbury for a while. 
But, you know, it can't be one rule for one and one for somebody else. It's kind of that's the way the poster is always done. They've got strict curfews because of the license they have to perform the festival. I mean, if she can't sign up to the rules, then... Mm. Also, I did see a few people on Twitter saying, um, insinuating they did this because she's a woman and they wouldn't have done it for Bruce Springsteen or whoever else. Well, they, I think they did do it for Bruce Springsteen, didn't they? But I've also mm. seen them do it for, I think it was NERD years ago. They cut them off because they were late on stage. They also cut Janet Jackson's set short a few years ago. She was meant to end with Together Again, uh, but she was late on, so they cut that. So it's not her, it's them. Nothing personal? No, no. Now, well, we're, we're only choosing 10 highlights here, but I just want to very quickly mention something and apologise to Michael and Emily because since they announced uh, Yusuf Islam slash Cat Stevens as the legend, I have been slagging them off left, right and centre. I've been slagging him off to anyone who will listen. And because we pitched ourselves at the pyramid stage on Sunday from Sophie Ellis Bexter all the way through from the chicks to then Yusuf slash Cat, uh, Blondie Lil Nas Elton... I saw his whole set and it was phenomenal. It was such a good legend slot. There were so many hits that I didn't know that were his. There were so many songs of his that I did know were his and actually were better than I remember. He was so gracious and so happy to be there. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. So actually, Will, uh, Michael and Emily, they maybe do know what they're doing. (laughs) I think they do, actually, Dan. Yeah. I just wanted to apologise. Michael, Emily, do let us know if you accept Dan's apology or not. <laughs> at Trap by Track UK. Yes. Uh, so that was 10, now 11 of our highlights. Thank you, Dan. Uh, what I'd love to know is who wasn't there that you would have hoped slash expected to see this year? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I would say SG Lewis. Definitely. Was probably one that was, um, you know, Fred again went down an absolute storm on the other stage. Uh, and that new stage, uh, the levels in Silver Haze, was just crying out for a young whippersnapper DJ to come and wow all the kiddos that are uh, hanging around there, huffing uh, poppers and Lord knows what else. Oh, um, uh, squirty cream canister spray. <laughs> oh, I really want a, a knickerbocker glory now. <laughs> Um, I would love to have seen Gorillaz because their new album is exceptional and they haven't played it. I don't think they played it since they headlined back in 2009. I know they're very busy at the minute because Blur back together for a new album and shows. Um, Alex has still got his project, The Wave, which are doing some shows as well this summer. Um, that's actually got nothing to do with Gorillaz, but they're all very busy lads, but... That new album, I think, could have been a great for either maybe other stage headliner or um, a secret set. And for me, such a shame we didn't see Dua Leaper join Elton on stage, but also do something uh, on her own. I think that would be a huge headlining moment for her now. Also, uh, we could have had a surprise appearance from Kylie with Jake Shears and she could have done some other stuff while she was there as well. Also... Everything but the girl. Huge comeback. Yes. Yes. Huge, uh, incredible new album, incredible new sound, but not a single date announced for a tour at the minute. So would have liked to have seen that. 
what about then next year? So we've had the promise of female headliners next year. Also, a few comments that have been made. What what does it look? What's the landscape look like for Glastonbury Twenty Four? Well, just a few days before we arrived at Worthy View, it was announced that Taylor Swift's tour is coming to the UK next year and is going to be in the UK at the end of June next year. Ah. So, mm. Mm. and she's got a free Sunday, which we now know is going to be Sunday the 30th of June, which is the weekend Glastonbury is happening. So could we be closing the weekend with Taylor next year? I think it's very, very likely. And of course, we know that she was meant to play in 2020 and meant to headline, and then that was cancelled. Also, we saw Melanie C uh, after Jake Shears, and she uh, did some Spice Girl songs. She almost snapped an audience member uh, at the front who who sounded like they were keen to hear some Spice Girl. So she said, yeah, I'm doing that at the end. (laughs) But when she did do a couple of Spice Girl songs... She did tease by saying, warm up for next year. I mean, I would die. That would be just, that would be an all-time Glastonbury highlight. What do you think, legend slot? Legend slot. I think so, yeah. But we've been promised two female headliners, so Taylor looks likely to be one. Madonna's, well, first of all, Mm. get well soon, Madonna. Get well soon, Madonna. Get well soon, Madonna. She's not been well and she's having to postpone the start of the hugely anticipated celebration tour, which is a greatest hits tour. It arrives in the UK late this year. Um, but could it continue into next year? Could we see some big shows, sort of British Summertime, Hyde Park? Could that include her Glastonbury debut? I would love for her to be there. Uh, certainly with that tour, with that greatest hits tour, like we said with Elton set. It wouldn't be about the new material. It wouldn't be about the deep cuts. It would be all about the hits. Anything else? Anyone else? Well, uh, obviously, Foo Fighters played as the churnups or were on the bill as the churnups uh, for a daytime surprise, not really a surprise slot. And they have just announced a tour for the end of next June. Now, this is an interesting one because if we're ha- if we've got two poppy female headliners, Glastonbury are going to need something to appease the rockier crowd. Foo Fighters could do that, but would it be too soon to have them back after they've just played a set, or was this a warm-up for them headlining again? I think it might be too soon, but I do know what you mean. There does need to be something. If we're if we're going poppy with some of our suggestions and rumours, then there does need to be something very different as well. And so if it's going to be Taylor and Madge, Will, who is your dream, probably male-led headliner? for next year i really don't know dan because you put me on the spot with that question but uh, i'd love to see new order back at glastonbury definitely and they've got some shows later this year so it's been was it 2016 we saw them you saw them and i forgot to watch them even though i was there. the right way around yeah yeah uh, <laughs> i would love to see depeche mode headlining but do you know what dan i'd love to know uh what our list who our love list lovely listeners would love to see and hear either physically on the farm or on the iplayer at class to be 2024 so please let us know at trap by track uk and also if you were there or if you watched what were your personal highlights Yes, and if you want to step back in time, we have got Glastonbury episodes from the last few years. We've got hundreds of episodes for you to delve into. And don't forget, over on Patreon, we've got 80-plus exclusive episodes for you, including brand-new series, 
One is further listening where we delve into the back catalogues of our favorite artists. And one is the remix where we talk about our favorite remixes. If you join us on Patreon, you'll also get early access to any brand new albums we talk about with the artists as our special guests. And you'll also get the chance to vote on what albums we talk about in the future. And Dan, am I right in saying that the Jake Shears Last Man Standing dancing episode that just recently went out, our Patreons got more? You're bang on. Yeah, not only do you get early access to those uh, brand new album episodes with the artist, you get a bit more content as well. You get the director's cut of the episode. And, and Will, that's, that can be, uh, if you depending on how you pay, that can be less than £3.50 a month. That's just nothing, is it? Even in a cosy living crisis. But thank you for joining us for this Glastonbury special retrospective look back. Uh, hope you find it illuminating and enjoyable. Uh, as ever, thank you for supporting Track by Track. Uh, and we'll see you again very soon. Until then, I've been a total flag. Uh, and I've been swaying around like a Kendall in the wind. Oh. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.